Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner, and we've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app and, of course, your local Super Talk radio station. But take your browser over to supertalktv.com. You will see my guests today where you can watch good things on your computer or your mobile device. We have joining us Miss Savannah. She's a graduate assistant in the Department of Biology at the University of Mississippi, and she is spending her free time and her own money to help teach science literacy to the local high schools. So welcome, Savannah. Hi, thank you so much. Well, I love this, and I also love this idea of getting students more literate in either science or STEM or just maybe bridging the gaps and maybe some of the terminology or just some of the things that they may be lagging behind so then they can have the opportunity to go further if they choose. So first off, when did you fall in love with STEM? When did science obviously you know, catch your attention? Well, uh, my dad is actually a biologist as well. Um, so he was always taking me on his adventures um, when I was really young. So I've kind of loved science since I was a really little kid. And then basically just through high school with some research experiences, I realized I really wanted to go to grad school and just been, never looked back since. Never looked back. When did you start to recognize, Savannah, that maybe there was a gap in the literacy in terms of in science specifically with area high school kids? So um, I teach the intro bio labs at the University of Mississippi, and there's an assignment we give them uh, where they have to read a scientific article and summarize it. And having to grade through those, uh, I realized that there was a lot of um, kids struggling with just understanding how to read those types of um, works. And so that was sort of where I first realized that maybe it would be something that would be good to be introduced to high school students before they get to the college. You know, Savannah, as a dietitian by trade, I absolutely could not agree more that I wish more everyday people at least had the basic knowledge to look at a research, look at an abstract, understand it beyond just the headline that whatever the media chooses to use or sort of publicize about it and then be able to sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, articulate or at least um, contemplate maybe the right word to use uh, what what the findings were. Um, So, okay, well, you had this great idea. And so next would be actually implementing it. So how did you go about that? Yeah, so I was very fortunate that I got a fellowship called the Mississippi Space Grant Consortium Fellowship. Um, And then part of the requirements for that fellowship is to do some sort of K through 12 outreach and to sort of come up with your own project for it. Um, So I just reached out to local high school teachers because I really enjoy working with older kids who can kind of have 
um, maybe more detailed discussions about the science than some of the younger kids. Um, and so I just reached out to them and just suggested like, hey, I can bring some graduate students and undergraduate students with me and we can sort of have these open discussions about uh, the science itself and then what it's like to study science at different levels. And they've been um, very receptive of that and welcoming um, for me and my friends in the classroom. So it's been great. Do you find that when students ha get a little bit more um attention to the details of science literacy or sort of having the moment to sort of walk them through because I feel like once you know what to look for or to question or the red flags then it, it gets a little bit more exciting so do you do you see them getting more excited about scientific research yeah definitely I think initially they're always a little bit um, hesitant to talk about it because they feel like it's you know way above their um, point of view I guess um, but I always try to just, you know, walk them through how I read things and explain to them that even sometimes at my level, there's things I read that I don't know what the word means. And then I just go to Google and look it up. You know, I try to encourage them that it's not that you need to know everything. It's just that you're trying to teach yourself how to learn, I guess. Um, and so once they start seeing that it's okay to not know everything, then they start to open up a little bit more and they like to ask a lot of questions. They go on a lot of tangents, um, but it's great. I really enjoy it. Well, and that's what's good conversation around science should be, right? Is you just can kind of go off into your own little uh, rabbit uh, holes and have, and you never know what that also inspires in terms of learning something new or different or challenging, you know, the science. I think that's mm -hmm. okay too. That's definitely um, all part of it. And then two, the skill, Savannah, to sort of have an analytic view of a scientific research, that would overlap and sort of play in other other um, I guess degrees or sort of other uh, topics and subjects in school as well yeah absolutely I always tell them like I know not all of you want to go on and do what I did you know it's very specific to go on to get a PhD um, but you know science is something that's part of our everyday life I mean we saw it very recently with the pandemic there's a lot of information that's put out there and we might not always have the resources to know how to interpret that information and know what we should trust and what we shouldn't trust. Um, so it's just good practice to learn how to critically think about things that are uh, going to come into our life and maybe we're not used to knowing how to deal with that information. Now I know you've actually inspired some of the professors there in your Department of Biology at the University of Mississippi to kind of expand this or try to actually formalize it and get it into more schools, particularly in the Delta. Talk about how that came about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, I have this fellowship and then it's only lasts for three years. And then, of course, my PhD is like five to six years. So once I leave, I was really thinking I'd like to have a way for this to continue on, even if I'm not here at the university. Um, so I was hoping that I could pair with um, Dr. Chen, who's the chair of our biology department, um, to basically hire some students, some undergrad students kind of help co-lead this outreach with me. Um, so that in the future, when I'm gone, they can still continue to do that sort of outreach with the graduate students and undergrads uh, at Ole Miss um, and just sort of keep it going and then hopefully expand it. Again, I'm only working at like the Oxford high schools right now just because of constraints of, yeah. you know, driving places and money and things for that. Um, but hopefully if we can get a little funding, we can sort of start to expand to other classrooms or maybe even do Zoom kind of 
um, visits as well. And who knows, your own little bit of research may come out of, you know, going back and being able to see if, if having this kind of education impacts them and sort of their career choices down the road or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And then you, when you have that power and knowledge, to me, I think having critical thinking skills is just so important and can create such confidence in students and all subject matters that they may go into and being able to read, understand and analyze research of any kind to me is one of the great great uh, critical thinking skills task that I feel like every student needs okay you're a PhD I mean what are you studying what are you finishing up and wrapping up there at, at um, Ole Miss oh so I study what's called mycorrhizal fungi um, so these are just the fungi that grow on plant roots and basically help the plants get nutrients in exchange for the plants giving them sugars from photosynthesis um, and I'm sort of uh studying sort of a novel evolutionary partnership that's come to be in a specific plant that grows all across North America and Europe. So that's what I'm working on now. Um, It was really cool because I got to travel to Europe this summer and collect samples of the plants and everything. Um, But yeah, so I'm sort of in the stages of doing a lot of lab work at the moment for that work. So what's the big dream? Like Savannah, like, do you hope to like, well, what's your big dream? After you graduate, you're going to get your PhD. We know that after you defend it. And then what do you hope to do? So I'm hoping to be a professor and a researcher, but I think that's still ways away. I'll probably try to get a postdoc position somewhere and get a little more research under my belt. And then eventually that would be the goal because I really enjoy research, but I also really love um, the teaching aspect of things. So I want to keep both of them together. You know, you bring up a good point that biology is not just anatomy and physiology, right? I mean, I, I see it in my lane, obviously, because I thought of it from a healthcare sort of perspective or a health perspective. But you bring up plants, you bring up the environment, you bring up all these other things. So for kids who are interested in science or when you say the term biology, what is the whole sort of the umbrella term biology? What all does that encompass? Yeah, it's just so biology is the study of life, right? So it's anything that these students can think of that relates to uh, the world around them. And basically, it includes the biotic and abiotic factors and how they're influencing each other. Um, My research, I really enjoy the idea of um, organisms interacting with each other in like a mutualistic way. So like symbioses. Um, but yeah, it can, and it can go into a lot of these students are really interested in the medical field. So, you know, human biology and disease ecology, all these things, um, can relate to it, or we can even get down onto the cellular level and just looking at genetics and cell communication and stuff. So it's, it's a very broad, broad range of topics in biology. Well, I think it's super cool. I think it's really, um, admirable what you're doing again in your free time and, and using your own spare cash to sort of pay it forward or bridge that gap for these high school students. Hopefully you guys can sec- secure some funding in a year or two. I'll have Dr. Chen back and he will be giving us an update on all of the science literacy, uh, that you, that the work will be continued there at University of, of Mississippi. If somebody wanted more information, maybe about for their own high school or whatever, are there any good resources for that? Um, They could absolutely reach out to me at my email. Um, I think that's probably, we don't really have like a website or anything right now. Um, But I I don't know if you want me to share. You can if you want to. Yes, not your phone number, but your email is great. (laughs) Yeah, so my email is sldroud, that's D-R-A-U-D, at go.olemiss.edu. That's super cool. I also think your fungi research is really neat. They're having a great moment. People are starting to really get curious and learn a lot more about them. So good luck to you, girl, and thank you for your time. 
Yeah, thank you so much for yours. All righty, you guys stick with us. We got more good things for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. things we are on your computer your mobile device you can watch it on roku amazon fire tv devices you can even watch good things live on ceasefire tv if you have ceasefire tv you can find it on channel 70 right next to the weather channel speaking of the weather y'all does it feel like december outside no well maybe it feels like december in mississippi outside it's 80 degrees and balmy now think back five years ago. It's still a little flashback Thursday. Doodly-doo. Doodly-doo. Dece- <laughs> December the eighth, two thousand and seventeen. It was snowing. At least in central Mississippi. I'm gonna assume those on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It probably wasn't. Is that but back when it snowed all the way down in like Baton Rouge and all that. I you know, it was um I just remember school I think that was, was the out. Snowstorm, yeah. School was out. There was nobody on the roads. It was, um, you know, that was five years ago. Obviously, I was trying to think if we, yeah, we would have had good things then. And my my memories popped up right. And so if you are on the book of faces, you can go to your little memories tab, and it probably will show and bring up on this day. Now I think it was a several days, but my we were building snowmen. We were outside having a jolly old time, and then all it takes is. You know, a little bit different recipe and Mother Nature and five years later and we're all in flip-flops and mosquitoes are out and it's balmy here on December the 8th. So when we say... Yeah, I got downright offended at a mosquito last night. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So when we say... It had the that, nerve to be in my apartment. I'm going, no, 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 no. You're an outside bird. Get you're, out of here. You're an outside bird. It's also December. You should be dead. And while you're still procreating, I will... I don't know in December. Um, but yeah, so it's when they say anything's possible with our weather patterns in the month of December in Mississippi, like literally, we've had we've had both extremes. I I had forgotten getting um snow that early. Normally if we are gonna get any kind of real winter weather, it's usually January. Usually the Mississippi Blues uh, marathon that would always run right after New Year's Day um, or the weekend before. It had several years. It was a bumpy road because of ice or snowy kind of conditions. But it feels like December the 8th would would be very unseasonably early to have snow. But we did it five years ago. Go check out and remember your your photos and be in awe of how we look uh, today. Speaking of being in awe, I was in awe today. Um, met a lady who I feel like has missed out on life because she has made it to her probably mid-50s, and she's never heard of a Star Crunch. Now, 
You may have never heard of a star crunch, but you probably know what one looks like. And so we went through this whole big Little Debbie debate about what were the most popular sort of win. So because of that, I need to know if there's anyone else out there who has absolutely no idea what a star crunch is. And then if you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, I pack one for my kid's lunch almost on the regular same here, then you're probably in all that she didn't know that either. And then I thought, man, I feel like even if you don't eat them, we could probably all pick out a Little Debbie product out of a lineup or probably pick out several. There's probably not many Little Debbie products that became mainstream that most of us haven't had in our house, at least seen or could, again, pick out kind of a lineup. So what would be your favorite Little Debbie product? And I know, and I get it. I know we're right in the season of a certain one, right? The Christmas trees. Oh, yeah. I get that. But on a regular calendar day when it's not product specific, by the way, I'm very appreciative that they keep the Christmas trees to Christmas, even though technically it's their zebra cake or whatever, just pretty much with a different. Different color. Yeah. Glitter, Reese's edible Cups stuff. does that too with the eggs and the Halloween. I'm convinced that the the eggs and the Christmas tree molds are getting closer and closer to just being a blob of Reese's because the eggs and the trees look awful similar when you open the package. They do. I'm telling you, it's it, it's the same recipe. They just put it in a different whatever but some folks are re- you know man those christmas tree reeses or those egg reeses come out and you think it's the best thing since sliced well, bread well there is a, a slightly higher ratio of peanut butter to chocolate in those it seems it seems but like you're getting more has to peanut do... butter in in those than you do in like a regular peanut butter cup that's fair because you feel like the cup has a thicker wall and so it's a thinner sort of outside surface. Okay, Reese's always steals the show. We have to round it back to Little Debbie. <laughs> I would have to Somehow, say... Somehow, Reese's stole the show. With Little Debbie's, it, it would be a tie up until recently. Because I'm not sure my favorite Little Debbie has been around all that long. But growing up, I absolutely adored a Swiss roll, a Swiss cake roll. Mm-hmm. And... I really have a fondness for zebra cakes. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until the last few years where the, the powers that be at Little Debbie felt it was possible to combine the epicness and the greatness of a Swiss roll and a zebra cake because you can now get zebra cake Swiss rolls. Can and you? those are the best. I don't know if I have now I don't know if I have seen those, but I would still be able to identify that, oh, that's a zebra cake, which is just an offshoot of the original. And even though I may not have tried it, I wouldn't know the exact word, but I feel like I would still be sort of familiar with it. Joe and Meridian not could not believe this is the first one that comes in. The Raisin Cream Cake. I was looking at the retro list, lunchbox, lunchbox snacks of yesteryear. I feel like our, us kids of the 80s and 90s. You had a little Debbie in your lunchbox if your mom loved you. That was oh, yeah. that was just it. Like you probably had turkey sandwich, peanut butter, whatever. You had your milk, but you had some form of little Debbie. But the raisin cream pies, I don't know if I've ever had one. That's one I, I think I've had one. I don't know if I've ever had. So Joe, I appreciate that you appreciate those. Rhett and Ridgelands. Nutty Buddies are my absolute favorite, but I also liked the donut sticks when I was a kid. The Nutty Buddies do hit different. 
the the reason you got so excited and my kids still do when a nutty buddy appears is because you feel like in terms of volume you're getting more than any of the other little debbies i got a question about the nutty buddy am i the weirdo for trying to prolong the Nutty Buddy experience. Do you break them? By, by breaking up the like layers. Like breaking up the layers and eating them that and way. making a good old chocolatey mess on your fingers. Yes. You're not weird. I think we all, you know, who wants the carrots in their lunchbox when there's a Nutty Buddy there staring you in the face? Uh, Big John and Florence, yes. Zebra Rose, I have to walk around the truck 25. <laughs> Uh, I just appreciate, you know, you didn't have to do that when it was in your lunchbox because you head out to recess, and so it was a counter counterbalance. But now you probably have to um, eat, do it a little different. Rhett said, is there a different proper way to eat each Little Debbie type? I don't know. The Swiss roll, too. There's the group of, you know, you, you would roll it out. Like you would try to unroll Never the Swiss roll. Never got that far into the Swiss roll. Absolutely. And then you take your finger and get all the cream um, out of it. You know, oatmeal cream pies were also a staple in my lunchboxes growing up. But Star oh, yeah. Crunch, for me, I think that's why I was so offended, not literally, that she had never heard of them before. It's because that was like it. That I, that a Star Crunch pretty much made it into the lunchbox every day from probably kindergarten to ninth grade, if I'm being honest. I, if, I, if memory serves me, and, and I'm remembering this correctly, I'm pretty sure I was the veto against star crunches in the lunchbox for myself and my little brother because i really just never cared for star crunch <gasps> and i remember I getting one one time in and i was expecting a oatmeal cream pie and i got a star crunch and i'm pretty sure i threw a lot bigger hissy fit than was warranted over a little debbie dessert you know lunch. what's fair though but like i was the kid i was an only child so you just you you know you don't complain about what you get and maybe i just didn't know there were other options right like you if, if star crunch is the only thing your mom bought from the grocery store and threw it in there well then it becomes what you enjoy like i mean it's again it's better than the carrots and whatever else she threw she thought <laughs> she threw in there for me tim and tupelo though this is serious question how do you keep the chocolate from falling off the bottom of a Swiss roll? It's almost impossible. It almost, out of all the formulas they've come up with, they can't figure out how to get all the product off the little white, the little white thing that I goes in I was about to say, do I, do I really go full fat kid here and talk about how you, you hold the Swiss roll with the little, little cardboard? and <laughs> You bite the cardboard? It, no, you bend it down uh, and then take a bite and let it sit there and then... If you really are hard up for that last bit of chocolate, then you have the, the piece of cardboard right there, and you just stick it in your mouth and use your bottom row of teeth to drag off the remaining chocolate. Derek and Greenwood said you just got to give it a little twist. So you don't pick it straight up. That's the Swiss roll. You got to give it a little twist. He also said you're 100% communist if you bite directly into a nutty body. <laughs> you're a psychopath. That's funny. That is so funny. There we go, John and Carth, right you, you there with me. You lick the cardboard. You lick the cardboard. That is how you. That's how you get it. You know, maybe you age out of that at some time. At some, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you do it in secret. But the thing is, we all have a little Debbie that we love. Uh, but we've got more for you coming up next. Rub.
Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You can listen to Good Things. We are streaming right now live, supertalk.fm, and also from the Supertalk Mississippi app. We're also on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Now, you know, listening to Good Things, we've got some of the best places in the world right here in Mississippi. But sometimes that takes a little bit of our help to vote and let the rest of the world know what we've got going on here. And joining us to tell us about what's happening in Natchez is Jessica with Visit Natchez. So, hey, Jessica. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Are y'all still going through the pilgrimage, or was that closer to maybe Thanksgiving in the early fall? We are still currently. We do have the um, Christmas pilgrimage tour of homes going on right now. So it's a great time to come see some of those homes that aren't open year-round, and they're all decked out for Christmas. Which is a wonderful addition to maybe your uh, uh, Christmas getaway. The kids are going to be out for two weeks. Don't forget about Natchez and coming uh, from a lot of us. It's a quick trip. It could be a day trip or an easy over-the-night trip. But right now, we just need your votes, right? Like for Natchez to be able to solidify what we already know is that it's some of the best in the world. So what are you guys up for? So we've been nominated for the world's best through travel and leisure. Um, Natchez, the city of Natchez has been nominated for the best city in the United States category. And then two of our properties, Dunleith Historic Inn and Monmouth Historic Inn, have both been nominated for best hotels in Mississippi. Do you know what it takes to get on those lists? Are there any like specific, um, I guess, uh, things that have to happen for you to be able to do that? Well, uh, it takes a lot of things, but really they look at reviews, they look at uh, visitor experiences, they look at different community partners that do their best to push this out and get in front of the right people. So just all that together kind of keeps Natchez on the map. And well, to the historic homes that are there that are so beautiful and welcoming and give us an opportunity to sort of step back in time when you visit Natchez, give us a little bit of history about the two um, historic homes or buildings that are up for voting. Okay. Well, Monmouth Historic Inn and Gardens is a beautiful home. Um, When you stay there, it's kind of like you're stepping back in history. They've got a restaurant that you can actually eat inside of the home, which is unique to a lot of the houses here in Natchez. And then Dunleith Historic Inn was actually just reopened. They closed um, during the pandemic. They reopened. They revamped. It's a wonderful location. They are doing a lot with the community. They just had Alumare Lights Festival. So both properties are beautiful. we're very glad to have them. Are they open bed and breakfast? Could we still partic- maybe get us a night in before the end of the year? Oh, yes, absolutely. And both have several rooms and several different um, opportunities to stay on the property, so they're pretty large. So I know Natchez is also um, popular for film crews to come down and um, you know utilize the beautiful downtown and all of the really unique historic spots to create films. I was trying to think, every time a bell rings, is that the name of the movie that maybe was shot there a year or two ago now, Jessica? I'm, I'm putting both of us on the spot. Yes, that is one of our Hallmark movies, and more recently, Lifetime filmed one around that same time called A 
uh, New Orleans Noel, and it just premiered last weekend on Lifetime. That's really exciting, and it's funny because you think about Christmas movies it needing to be cold, but here we are in December, 80 degrees, <laughs> and so yes. it doesn't always feel like Christmas, but it definitely looks that way. So if we wanted to make a trip to Natchez coming up um, during the holiday season, what are your best recommendations of things to see or to plan for? Okay, well, I definitely think that you have to come for at least three days. Um, you're going to want to stay in one of our bed and breakfasts. They're beautiful and lovely and accommodating. And you have to take a tour downtown, see all of our Christmas lights. Our Christmas and Natchez group does a wonderful job. It's decorated, very similar to a Hallmark movie. Um, you definitely want to check out some of our music venues, a Christmas tour of homes. I mean, there's really unlimited Christmas activities. Which I think is um, something all families would want to add to their list of things to do. I know the cemetery there in Natchez gets a lot of hype around, obviously, the spookier fall season. But are those tours still going on and available during the holiday or any time of year? Yes, you can tour the cemetery any time of year. um, And they have a very cool uh, tour that you can put in the car and listen to as you drive through the cemetery as well. All righty. Well, Jessica, how can we vote for Natchez to make sure that we make it into the list, the 2023 list? Okay. So you're going to want to go to the Travel and Leisure website, and I have a link that I can give you if you've got somewhere to post that. It's a little tricky. Um, yes. We can put it in the Good Things Facebook group for sure. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'll give you that, and then you can register to vote, and you can vote once per category per email address. So it's not an everyday kind of vote. One vote goes a long way. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know, that is definitely nice. It also shows it's a little bit higher caliber of a voting of a voting system if they if they trust that you know your one vote sort of takes it. And obviously, I mean, we want we want uh, Natchez to be able to be recognized for it. But in turn, if you win or when you win, what will this do for Natchez? Is it it's a great just advertising opportunity or acknowledgement? Yes, and it gets Natchez on the map in these bigger publications, gets in a lot of in front of a lot of different people, and that's our end goal is always to bring people to Natchez. Absolutely, and that includes us here listening to good things. Sometimes, you know, we're the ones who forget about our own backyards, and we don't travel uh, at home enough, and I think, you know, that short break for the Christmas season is always a good time to see a new city here in Mississippi, and why not make Natchez part of that? So, Jessica, I appreciate your time, and good luck. When will the voting end so we can know how it turned out? Okay, voting ends February 27th, so we've got a little bit of time. Well, but don't say that now. When you get the link, just go on to get your vote over with, and then you don't go have to... Go ahead before you get busy and forget. And That's before right. you get busy and forget. So I appreciate your time, Jessica, and good luck. We'll be keeping up with this. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All righty. There you go. Pretty cool. If you've never been to the pilgrimage there in Natchez or been through some of those homes, you really are missing out. They do a wonderful job of keeping up those historic sites and then offering really a neat... Um, tours, but also educational pieces, which fun is uh, Natchez is also known as the biscuit capital of the world. I think they kind of gave themselves that name, which is totally fine with me. And there's a lot of opportunities too to get um, biscuit making workshops and sort of tutorials and th- as if we need those. I do. I mean, I don't make them necessarily from, from scratch. You know who doesn't make them from scratch? Little Debbie. I don't even think they have biscuits. But I knew I would hit on a nerve today when I They do I have some up. things that I, I had never even heard of until I got on their website. Well, I, okay, so that's fair. Like, I guess the whole point 
of the conversation was I felt like it's un-American not to at least know. But I feel like everybody, if you gave flashcards and you said Little Debbie or not, there's at least 10 of their products that I feel like almost every American born 1980 or over would at least nod to and get because they are just so ingrained in our childhood. And even and that carries into your adult life. You may not eat them every day. I hope not. I mean, you know, I hope not. Well, but if you do, nope. I guess no pressure or, or uh, no judgment. But your kids do. You probably still have them because you give them to your to your kids for a snack. Bubba from Meridian said the Christmas gingerbread for favorite little Debbie. And Dan in Hattiesburg said he can end the Reese's Little Debbie debate. You take two star crunches. You spread some peanut butter between them, and you eat it like a sandwich. I would have to nod to big glass of milk. That screams big glass of milk along with it. Now, Dan in Hattiesburg, you may not recognize, and you guys may not know, there's now two sizes of star crunches out there in the world. And so you have the original little snack size, and now they've got kind of like a moon pie size Star Crunch, which is probably like, what, three times the size of Star Crunch? And it really doesn't hit the same. It's not the same experience. There's something about just a bite or two is all you needed to finish off your your lunch or to have that little sort of snack. And if you oops and buy them, then, I mean, it's fine, but they're just bigger than you may have anticipated them to be. I say that to say that would be a really big Star Crunch peanut butter sandwich i'm surprised nobody said honey bun uh well we did have from the 662 can we recognize the majesty of the pecan pinwheel i think that's in the same boat as the as the honey bun mike from grand bay all my mom bought was fig newtons i feel like that's the voice you text that into all my mom bought were fig newtons but they're good now like i don't know if you appreciated them necessarily as a kid if, no, if you not saw, compared to a little Debbie. No, like if you're if you're if you had Big Newtons in your lunchbox, and then everybody else had Swiss rolls, Star Crunches, Nutty Butters, oatmeal cream pies. It wasn't. The, you didn't feel like it was the. It was the same. All Carrie and McComb, as a distributor of Little Little Debbie's Honey Buns, are a number one seller. Do you heat them up before you eat them? Like just a minute. Like do you use the muffin button on your microwave to make the honey bun just right i'm just amazed looking i'm, I'm on the website for little debbie right now and uh this christmas christmas tree cakes dip i i would want to try it but i don't know if i would ever pull the trigger of doing this they want you to take a whole box of little debbie christmas tree cakes Ooh. an eight ounce package of cream cheese Yee. a third a cup of milk and ah. a teaspoon of vanilla and puree it in a food processor. Who thought that Before up? folding in some whipped cream and having a Christmassy dip. I mean, I'd try it if you want to go for it, but I'm not going through the trouble to do it. They're good enough on their own. <laughs> Stick with us. we got more good things up next. So good. I got a year. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and 
and pretty? Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. We're on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Here's a headline you probably didn't see coming or a Guinness World Record. Blind horse breaks three Guinness World Records in Oregon. And it's not for what you would think, like running fast in a straight line until someone stopped him. No, he broke the record of highest free jump by a blind horse, most flying changes I don't know what that means. By a horse in one minute. And fastest time for a blind horse horse, excuse me, to weave five poles. I find that pretty doggone impressive. She was allowed to choose her horse, the person who rode her, and she chose one from her grandmother's herd when she was only 13 years old. Endo, I think is the name of the horse, E-N-D-O, Endo, would that be the correct way of saying it, started having eye problems when he was eight years old and he was diagnosed with a type of virus that eventually led to having his eyes being removed. So he's not just blind. He doesn't have in them. And she took time for the horse, and she regained his confidence. And then slowly but surely, he became a pretty good stud in what he was doing. He jumped three feet and 5.73 inches into the air to break the record for the highest free jump and then completed 39 flying changes in 60 seconds to break the record for most flying changes by a horse in one minute. And again, he weaved through five poles, completing the feat in 6.93 seconds. So he didn't just beat one. He beat all three records in one try. I think that's pretty cool. But that also goes to show that when you got somebody who is willing to love you through it and not give up on you and encourage you, I know it's a horse, but still, it goes to show that you can't give up on someone just because, or horse. Well, I mean... They got the vast majority of things that have been talked about on the air on Super Talk, I can Google it and figure it out in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I, this rabbit hole just keeps going on what a flying change is. <laughs> and I'll give you the exercises to help flying changes that are late behind, whatever that means. You want to work on your counterflexion, your countersupple, your half pass, your serpentine, haunches in, engage the inside hind leg, use the whip to engage the inside hind leg, and haunches out. But it won't tell wow, you. Wow, that's like a whole different rabbit hole of terminology I didn't even know. Didn't even know. Flying changes. I would assume, I don't know, I I didn't get that far down into the rabbit hole. I would, I would have thought that it would all have been self-explanatory. I mean... You know, going through the poles, I can sort of get that, jumping over something, but the flying changes. Sounds impressive. Sounds very impressive, and I'm proud of Endo for breaking the record for doing that. That was also, that was in Iowa. Meanwhile in Iowa, dog accidentally pulls fire alarm at Iowa Doggy Day Camp and sends fire department to said doggy daycare. And there is a photo. The dog is just really excited, jumping up and down onto the wall, and perfect paw, perfect posture, and just... And it starts all the commotion. And, of course, then it becomes a story that makes headlines. But still, how cute is that? We all have we all have that dog. Or if you have a dog, if you're a dog family, they have personalities. And so you're like, oh, my gosh, that would totally be my dog. My dog would be the one that would accidentally pull the fire alarm and not even 
you know, think twice. Like, oh, what? I did that? Oh, man. Oh, look at all these people. They all came to hang out and play. Either that or they secretly knew exactly what they were doing and they wanted the heck out of doggy daycare. And then I see Porch Cat being sneaky like that. Yeah, she's got some some mischievousness to her. But cats wouldn't get caught. No. Somehow the cat would blame. You just have the fire alarm going off and it'd only be you and the cat. So you know it wasn't you. You knew it had to be the cat. They'd still be laying over there and just like looking at you going, it wasn't me. Wasn't me, but I got I completed the job in which I had uh, intended to do. I love some of the f- the funny animal things. Most of them, though, that you find online for headlines, it's they're getting lost or rescued. I did see one where a seal lion wound up wound up in like the middle of downtown. It was obviously in a place where seal lines were off the coast, but it got off and got lost. Could you? I mean, imagine getting up and going to work. It's kind of like the kangaroo story here. You look over and it's like kangaroo. Am I have my has my coffee? But you get to the main red light there in your town, and you wah, wah, like to, <laughs> that's my <laughs> that's my still sound for today. Like I'm lost. Help me back to the water. It's probably not somebody's pet. At least I would I would um, I would hope not. But yeah, kudos to the to the horse. Did you ever did you ever grow up riding horses at all? Uh, no, that wasn't a hobby I had access to growing up. I've I've ridden horses on maybe a handful of occasions, but yeah. Why well, I, I assumed you weren't proficient at it because you didn't know what a flying change was. But you know what? That's gonna be our homework. We're gonna figure that out, and we'll come back tomorrow here on Good Things, and we'll be flying changing experts. But stick with us. You got more coming up next with your sports experts with Sports Talk Mississippi. They'll be with you from three to six, and Rhino and I'll meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.